listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 213, covering You Are Cordially Invited and Resurrection with Amanda Smith. Hello, friends. It's us, and also Amanda is here with us. It is me. Isn't it? It is I. It is me. All right. You're grammatically uh, attuned person. Grammatically delicious. So there's a thing that we probably should talk about because it's a, it's Star Trek related and it's something a few people have asked us to uh, if, if we're going to mention. And that, of course, is the uh, recent passing of Mr. Leonard Demoy. Sad um, day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a bit sad. That was a rough one. I don't usually get like super broken up about celebrities dying, but you know, we have a we have an email here actually from uh, from a listener and also from a recent donor to our fundraiser. So thank you for that, uh, Sean, who says hi, Alan, Matt. I hope you are well. I, as I'm sure you are, are very saddened by the by Leonard Nimoy's passing. I am looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this. I feel like it will be quite a cathartic experience and may help me get over the sadness I feel. I love what you guys do, and I can't think of anyone anywhere more qualified than you and Matt to celebrate the greatness that was Leonard Nimoy. R.I.P. Leonard Nimoy, long live Spock. Thanks for listening, Sean. Well, no pressure. Yeah, they're looking to us for catharsis. Yeah, help him get through it. And so I've crafted a brief poem. Oh, have you? Good. Pressure's off me. One, two, three, go. Yes. Name three, Matt. (laughs) Oh, Leonard. Honestly, the um, I think the the most touching thing to me was the uh, tweet from um, uh, Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. Who I don't have it in front of me, but effectively said something. I, I don't know it word for word, but it was, you know, uh, uh, rest in peace, the best first officer. Yeah. Which was sweet. Yeah. Really classy. Uh, but I I mean, me personally, like, I don't know. He was 83. He had a great career. Hopefully yep. he didn't suffer too much at the end. So, I mean, I'm. Yeah. it's disappointing, but, uh, you know, these things happen. Mm-hmm. I, but Matt, you, you seemed a little more emotional about well, it. Well, I mean, you know. It's fucking Spock. I've yeah. been watching Star Trek since I was a little, little kid. Sure. You know. And I've been... The last few the last few years, you guys might not have noticed, but I've had to get a little bit more into Star Trek than ever before. Oh, how come? What have you for been some, doing? For some reason. Oh. I don't know. Oh, very well. <laughs> no, and we said this as we made our way through the original series. He was easily the best thing to come out of that. Mm-hmm. By far, like yep. acting wise and everything else. I think one of the great things about him is he was the first one and the best one to shake off that like typecasting, you know, this has destroyed my career thing. Like he had a rough patch, yep. but he got over it and he was able to develop a sense of humor about it and move on with his life more than any of the other guys ever did. Mm-hmm. And between that and the fact that he invented half the stuff we associate with Spock and with Vulcans. And the fact that he is basically the face of Star Trek. Right. But I mean, specifically, the Vulcan neck pinch, the the salute, like all that stuff came from him. Mm -hmm. Or at least partially from him. I think he and Shatner actually invented the neck pinch. But uh, he had a lot of ideas about how the Vulcan culture should be. Yeah. And a lot of times he'd get a script that said something that was out of character. And he'd be like, punch this guy in the face. Yeah, that's mm. where the neck pinch came from. Yeah. And, and he, I don't punch. And so he and Chatner worked on some blocking, and they said, "You know what? Let's let's do this instead." Mm. And that was cool. And a lot of the a lot of the stuff, you know, that's that's a, a cornerstone of 
of that culture came from him. So it's more than just he didn't just show up and read lines. Like he was really invested in the character, which I thought yeah. was great. And the Vulcans were such a fully realized race yeah. of aliens. It wasn't just like humans meeting these different aliens. This was a this was another race that had some depth to it. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of that came from him. Mm-hmm. And he did other stuff too. Like he did he, you know, uh, uh, the, that Bigfoot show everybody likes. Uh, in Search Of. Right. I knew you would know. Of and... course I know. Uh, he was in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. He he made many appearances on The Simpsons and Futurama. He made many incredible appearances on The Simpsons and Futurama. He was in the fucking monorail episode. So... Yes. And in the X-Files episode. Yep. I, I have to get something out of my car. Yep. And so on in that fashion. So, I mean, I, I just, I don't know what we can possibly add to what, you know, like, you you know all this. Mm-hmm. The guy was great, and, you know. The thing is, not only was the guy great, but this is one of those who will make me waffles the way I like them now moments. Uh, see, because with a lot of older actors, it's sad when they die because you liked what they were sort of doing, but, uh, like, from some time ago. But Leonard Nimoy was still fairly active and participating in, in movies and stuff, so it's... He would have done more, so I selfishly wish he was doing more. On the other hand, it might not be the worst thing in the world for the next movie if Spock isn't there to bail them out. Like, if they'd come up with a cool idea, I would have loved to have seen him again. Well, he was so well, good guess... in the first movie. Yeah, he was great. Mm-hmm. It was amazing in the first movie. Yeah, we just didn't like him in the second. And that had nothing to do with him. No, he was fine in the second movie. Yeah, he himself. It was the script. Yeah, it, yeah. It, was, it was just a bad writing choice. And if they would have found a cool role for him in the third one, I would have been all for it. Mm-hmm. It's never about him. But that said, I mean, I, the thing is, original Star Trek is over. It's long over. They made their last movie a long time ago. They can't just keep milking that forever. And he kind of, you know, I mean, the second movie notwithstanding, he did more or less go out on a high note. Yeah, he did. It's not like, oh, God, how come, you know, how come he didn't just get to do it one more time or whatever? Like, How come his last role was Home Alone 7? Yeah. <laughs> You're thinking of Raul Julia, I think. I am. Or Tim Curry. No, Tim Curry's still with us, Matt. Oh, really? Tim Curry's always with us. Oh, shit. Tim Curry's really in there with you right now. Yeah, hey, no, yeah. you don't understand. I sent a wreath to his widow. Oh, my God. What a faux pas. That that one set of footprints is where Tim Curry was was uh, carrying you. Oh, my God. This is so embarrassing. Mm-hmm. But we are not here to praise Tim Curry. <laughs> we are here to bury Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> now, of course, you know, he is like, if you had to pick one guy out of the hundreds of people involved with Star Trek, even more than Gene Roddenberry, I would say, mm-hmm. to be the face of Star Trek, he would be it. And, yep. you know, it sucks, but, uh, you know, what are you going to do? That is my emotional tribute. What are you going to do? <laughs> All right. Uh, any Any further thoughts on the subject or shall we press forward? Uh, let's, uh, headed the episodes very well so uh, our first episode is called you are cordially invited and it is amanda's to summarize so amanda do that thing oh yeah so now it'll be funny after we talk about the sad dead guy nice great excellent look did you expect me to be good at segues really <laughs> this is probably my 500th podcast episode between our two shows and, and now you just suddenly expect me to be good at that. The fans are in mourning. Now lighten their spirits, Amanda. Well, yeah. No pressure. I'm not telling you to make fun of Spock, at least. Oh, at I least we're I not in smack in the middle of the original series right now. I don't want to do that. Yeah. 
Okay, so um, the first episode is uh, You Are Cordially Invited, and yay! Everyone's home again! Kira got her good boss back! Worf's screw-up kid is part of the crew, and Martok is a super general war king. And the stockings are hung with care. All is well at DS9. To top off the good mood, Worf and Dax are finally slow slicing the Gordian knot with a batleth. Martok is particularly pleased because if he has to hear about one more set of traditional Klingon floral pattern china from Worf, he is going to go to the traditional Klingon suicide eyewash station. <laughs> Dax is unconcerned about the whole rigmarole because she's had like, what, 37, 38 weddings? And if it makes Worf happy, she'll let him have his little special day. In preparation, Worf takes his best buddies, Martok, Sisko, Alexander, O'Brien, and Bashir, I guess? Into some kind of painstick bachelor party. Which is not the party time hangout the crew had expected of a Klingon bachelor party. In the meantime, Martok's horrible and awesome wife, Sorella, arrives on the station. As part of the vaguely defined woman's role in Klingon society, Dax has to get Sorella to accept her into the house of Martok. Dax, naturally, sasses back at every opportunity and throws a wild party, to in- including what seems to be some kind of ill-advised lit, sh- lit torches in a space station. In space. Sorella bursts in, demands Dax stop the party, and pulls her knife on her. They tussle, and Sorella cancels the wedding. Dax immediately restarts the party. Worf, unsurprisingly, isn't thrilled with this turn of events. Dax refuses to apologize to Sorella, and they break up. Sisko and Martok, dad besitter everyone, everyone shakes hands, which naturally have been sliced open first, get dressed up in uh, red leather dresses, and get married. Okay, I, I, one thing. Alexander is not part of the crew. Let's be clear on that. No. He's part Alexander... of Worf's crew. No, he's not. He's transferred to a different ship. <laughs> well, but he's part of a crew on a, on a spaceship. Well, okay. Yes, somewhere out there he is part of a crew. But not in any crew that we're going to be following ever again. In no, fact, this, this is Alexander's last appearance in any Star Trek ever. Now he's being sent away to his grandma's ship. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the USS read all the technical manuals. <laughs> Excuse me, the IKS read all the technical manuals. Very sorry. Poor, poor Alexander. Yes. But that is the whole reason they're doing the wedding now. Yeah. Is Dax is like, well, Alexander's going off. He, we might not see him for a long time. Like, while he's here, maybe we should just do this. Yeah, because Worf wanted to wait till the war was over. And, and he wanted do to do it, it on the homeworld. Yeah. But I wanted to have a beautiful, traditional Klingon wedding. Like the princess I've always thought of myself as. <laughs> the thing is... Worf is, de- Worf is definitely a bridezilla. Yes. <laughs> and I want a crown. <laughs> well, he did get that. Everyone's got crowns. In yeah. both these episodes, just crowns everywhere. There are a lot this... of crowns in both of these episodes. Yeah. This week is lousy with bludgeoned crowns. <laughs> the um, Worf's bachelor party in particular, though, is so Worf. Oh, yeah. There's if, a... you could, if you could think of anything Worf would rather spend time doing. Well, we've, we've marveled over this over and over again. Like, wow, he doesn't like this. He doesn't like this. What does this guy do for fun? And now we finally see. He likes mm-hmm. uh, suffering and self-deprecation. Uh, uh, de- flagellation. flagellation yes and uh, other people also flagellating him yes the- finally my friends are I, finally i tricked my friends into coming onto my stupid hold my feet in the fire ceremony i have to do this on my own every weekend but now i get to bring people because i'm getting married and they have oh. to do what i say because i'm a bride a blushing bride <laughs> there's a there's a bit where there's a giant table of delicious food sitting on the holodeck 
and uh, a hollow sweet, excuse me. And I, I think it's Alexander reaches for the big oversized turkey leg and Worf like slaps his hand away. No, no. that food is just there to, to be to tempt us. You're not allowed to eat it. And it's are, like, you, are you kidding me? Do you know how good this dip looks? But that that sums it up right there. That one that one line of dialogue is like, no, no, that pile of giant food is not for eating. It is for suffering. That is so Worf. Throw it out. Do you have any? Actually, a lot of food gets wasted in this episode. Yep. Do you, Do you have any real cakes? No, just pictures of cakes. <laughs> now lick my finger. <laughs> uh, Amanda, what was your good thing? Um, I liked that we had no deadly danger in this episode. It wasn't the wedding episode. Plus, there was some kind of spatial anomaly or invasion or something. We just spent the whole episode. Uh, dealing with the characters and and interactions between them, the deadly danger was maybe they wouldn't get married. Yep, that and, is nice, especially after all that war stuff. It feels like it's earned. Yeah, it feels like I kind of okay, I kind of feel like going into it too. It's just like, yeah, these guys are probably going to end up together. It's not called you are cordially invited to this divorce. <laughs> yeah, on the other hand, this is DS Nine, and nobody really gets what they want. That is true. I mean, not there haven't been a ton of happy endings on the show so far, no. and we're not done yet. No, so that's not even saying anything specific. Just you know, we're not done yet, and nobody's happy. <laughs> Nobody gets to be happy. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, although, like I say, after after six episodes of the entire Alpha Quadrant is in danger, and oh my God, we have to get some gods involved now. Like, yeah, it's nice to bring the stakes down a bit and just do something a little quiet. Yeah, yeah. it's just calm. I'll calm down and just remember how much we like each other's company. Yeah. And this um puts me in mind a bit of the episode where Picard goes home to yes. uh, English France. Yes. Where mm-hmm. we just, a lot of stuff has happened, and now we're going to take a moment to sort of take I a agree. breath. I agree, although it really evokes uh, Data's day more than anything. That's true. Yeah. Well, a lot. Yeah. Because the same plot points happen. I think that's your standard, almost sitcom-y, like, it's the wedding episode, so someone has to cancel the wedding, and then it's back the we- on. This wedding is off. Yep. And it's weird, because O'Brien at one point is confused. Like, wait, I thought they were getting married. Why are they now not getting married? Dude, this exact thing happened to you. It's different <laughs> when it happens to him. A hiddly diddly diddly diddly. <laughs> so For racist. one thing, his bachelor party was nuts. Well, I, probably. I don't know. Did he have a lot of friends on the Enterprise? Doesn't seem like he did. Like they were he's all a, his bosses. He's a likable guy, and... and easy to get along with but did we ever see him with any friends yeah you know what you might be right like that bachelor party might consist entirely of Jordy and barkley hanging out with him no data would have been there that, oh yeah and that data. doesn't sound like fun no it doesn't sound like a fun night no no they probably played like cones of dunshire or something <laughs> yeah that sounds like my bachelor party <laughs> i don't know matt i wasn't invited to your bachelor party oh. no nobody was <laughs> Uh, Amanda, what was it? It was me drinking quietly in my room. <laughs> well, that was that was also your wedding. Only you were drinking quietly in a public place. That's true. Up on a dais, like a f- in front of everyone. Yes, was and pretty then, impressive. And then your reception was also you drink. You, you drink a lot, Matt. I don't know about that. <laughs> Everybody, shut up. <laughs> Are you drinking right now? No. All right. I'm finishing drinking from earlier. <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, it's eleven o'clock in the morning. That's cool. Yeah, it's, it's 11 o'clock, o'clock somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. Here. <laughs> Amanda, what was your bad thing? Uh, 
I uh, we were reading a bit in Memory Alpha about how um, Ron Moore sort of looked down at what he had created with the Klingon culture and was like, ooh, we uh, don't really have anything to say about women. They are just sort of not in Klingon culture. So it was his intention with this episode to sort of bring them more to the forefront, which is good. But I feel like this complicates things a little bit more like i don't think we have a clear vision because we have um women aren't allowed to be on the council Mm -hmm. uh we know that from um yeah the the duras sisters sisters had to have their shitty little nephew like little little duras right they like they they were gonna use him as a puppet because they couldn't be on the council yeah Mm -hmm. and then we don't have um women being captains of warships we haven't seen them, but can they not be? Do uh, we know that for sure? I don't know. Th- we don't know that for sure, but we've never seen one, and mm-hmm. we've seen just very few women in very junior positions on the military ships. Um, like we've never seen a woman. I don't know. Martok's, Martok's ship had a had a female navigator, gunner. What was she? Do you remember? Yeah, that? she was awesome. I don't remember what she, she was did, awesome, but, yeah. but she was like a new recruit who was getting yelled at with all the other mm. new gr- recruits. Mm, I feel but, like she was at least like a lieutenant level. I don't no, man, because they brought all those guys in, and the reason Alexander got in was they were bringing in the dregs because they were running out of guys. I guess that's true. So she was mm. part of the dregs. Yeah. Um, she was the bad news bears of Klingons. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And then we had um, uh, Quark's uh, Klingon wife, mm-hmm. who wasn't allowed to run her house without special dispensation. So <sighs> that sort of leads me to think that we've got kind of a patriarchal society where the men are in charge. In this, we talk about how the um, the women run the households, but the men own the households. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's stuff that Sorella is in charge of, and Martok was like, oh, da, da, she's in charge of it, and I'm, I got nothing Oh, I to love say. their relationship, da, 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 too. Yeah. He's intimidated by her, but it's not a sort of wacky sitcom, oh, my terrible wife. It was. It's more of a just, like, uh, quiet I, respect. Yeah. I am super turned on by my intimidating wife. Yeah. I you know, wish she'd have sex with me. <laughs> Think she'll have sex with me? Some someday. <laughs> Maybe. I've given you three sons. We're done. Oh. <laughs> and no daughters, because we don't know what's going to happen with them. <laughs> and no daughters. You're welcome. <laughs> so what we have is... Uh, I don't think it's an entirely clear vision... Okay, but he did try to fix it, and he was kind of boxed in by previous things. I think he did his best. But I think you might be better off just to say, this is a shitty culture that does this. And then maybe have some episodes that kind of deal with that. The thing is, Ron Moore, and we mentioned him because he came up with most of this Klingon stuff. He has a clear idea of what this is. What what I think he said was, we not we need to make up more stuff, but... I never intended to make the women like this. I need to make it more clear what I meant. He but was trying to clarify what he was already saying. I don't think he succeeded very well. I disagree. I feel like it's a class thing. I feel like big, important houses get to do it like this, and the shitty little houses don't. Like, Yeah, but shitty little houses, you're still allowed to have military service and that sort of thing. Okay. Like, we, we should see some more daughters of so-and-so. We, and, and it just other, hasn't come up. And the other thing is um, when we actually do the, the wedding ceremony, we've got um, uh, Sorella's telling the story of the first fem- uh, female and male uh, Klingons, and it's two hearts beating as one. Uh, it's a really good story, it, It's actually, actually. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It felt very, like, 
epic storytelling. Yeah. Actually, epic storytelling, not like an epic sandwich. Right. Um, <laughs> and they they talk about how the the male heart needs the female heart so that they're not lonely. Yeah, and, and there's this she... cool two sets of war drums thing happening, and yeah. then when they get to the, the the pinnacle of the story, they start beating one drum, and it's it's a very cool thing. Yeah, and um, then the idea there is that the um, they have a fight, and the lady heart uh, beats the guy, but doesn't kill him because of wisdom or whatever. So that that indicates to me that you've got some sort of equality, but that isn't reflected in the culture. I also feel like maybe it goes, it comes and goes. Like maybe Galron is super sexist and now that's the way, you know, like cultures sometimes become more conservative, become more liberal and, you know, back and forth. I would definitely buy that from Galron. Yeah. Yeah, Galron's yeah, in, kind a, of a in, in, in a heartbeat. But like, I, f I, I don't remember this and I might be getting the history wrong, but I feel like Prior to Victorian times, things were a little more open, and then suddenly Victorian times made everything really repressed, and then things recovered from that again. Like, I feel like societies do that sometimes. Are you saying that Klingon culture is Victorian? No. Are they hiding? Like, well, the could you? <laughs> yeah. No. Because I do not want to see Worf on a penny-farthing bicycle, and I know now you want to see nothing but that. You are correct. And a giant waxed mustache. Well, there's Wearing Worf it... in his pirate costume from the uh, from generations. From generations. Yeah. That's, That's close, but it's not a penny farthing bicycle and a top hat. <laughs> he didn't he wear a top hat in something? I believe he actually has worn a top hat. I think at some so. Point. I feel like he has. Yeah. I can't. Well, he should wear more top hats and a monocle. <laughs> and I, I can picture Dex in a monocle and like that fox hunting outfit. Oh God, that is so hot. I mean, what? <laughs> Oh, just nothing. Shut up. <laughs> Speaking of hot, she did have a pretty great wedding uniform with, you know, with a standard uh, Klingon boob window. That was some serious boob window. It was traditional. Yeah, it was. It was traditional. We've seen the Dora sisters in that. We've seen other Klingon women in that. That is not just, let's exploit Terry Farrell. That's, this is how Klingon women dress. It no, is but highly impractical for armor. Yeah. Which is what the Duras sisters were wearing. It's literally a hole that says "stab me here." Yeah, yeah. this is very close to where my heart is, and yeah. it's completely exposed. But it also it worked on her, and it does mm -hmm. look cool. And the thing is, Dax doesn't wear skimpy stuff very much. No, no, like she's sexy because she's sexy, not because she's like always wearing no clothes. Yeah, which no, is way she, better. She can be gorgeous in like. The uniform sack, or you know, you know a uniform, the Starfleet whatever. uniform. Yeah. Man, she yeah. did some like some like she was angry about this whole situation because she didn't want to have to submit to Sorella. And the look she gave Worf when Worf suggested she do that was great. Oh, like, she had a lot be, of like, super angry. I'm gonna kill you. Looks, yeah. Dax was great overall in this episode. She was so yeah. sassy, mm -hmm. but not overly so. No, they could have overplayed that, and they didn't. No, she was delightfully sassy. Yep. The, that scene where uh, where uh, she has to read off the entire saga of Sorella's history. Yep. And she gets the, well, and then there was this part where, you know, the entire Klingon high uh, family was wiped out up to a point. And then 10 years later, all of them were reinstated and new people. So really, you're not related to the Emperor at all. Yeah, but, there's uh, no royal blood in you because these titles that you can trace back to are just fake. <laughs> Your mother was a, pro was a horse prostitute or something. <laughs> yep. A horse prostitute. Yeah. All right. You know, like in the ancient texts. No. Clarify, Matt. What is yes. a horse prostitute? Tell, tell us, Matt. Well, it's not so much a horse that has sex with people for money as it is a person who has sex with horses for money. All right. Yeah. 
So what and also lives so, in a uh, barn, apparently. Not like Catherine the Great. Yeah. Right. Uh, so what was your good thing, Matt? Horse prostitutes uh, notwithstanding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I not use horse prostitutes? I, I mean, You can't if... use the thing you made up as your good thing. <laughs> no, and I'm looking right at your good thing, and it doesn't say that, so no. Uh, I actually really like Sorella's costuming in this. She looks like a He-Man villain. <laughs> yes, she does. She also... uh, she, I mean, like, we take the, the usual Klingon woman uh, costume, but it's also, it's very elaborate. She's got a giant-ass crown on her, like, on her head. It's fucking awesome. She looks like Evil Lynn. She does. Yes! It also looks like a lot of, like, the original series Klingons and, um, like, the, uh, the, the chick from Undiscovered Country. Yeah, yep. as it bore the Chancellor's yeah. daughter who ends up taking over, right? Yeah, I could see that. And that's probably yeah. deliberate. Yeah, it would look yeah. great. And the, the chick they had playing her was awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I like her quite a bit, actually. She was fucking awesome. And the thing is, you have to have a level of gravitas. Like, you have to be able to to intimidate Martok, the, the yeah. best Klingon we've ever seen. You have to be able to intimidate Dax, who is also pretty damn She's like the second best Klingon we've ever seen. Right. Yeah. And, and she has to be believably intimidating, not just sort of cartoon, you know... Like, she has to be, like, like Kai Wynn intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. And it totally worked. I bought that Martok was like, oh, no, 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 no. You see, what she's doing over there, that's her thing. And yeah. I'm not going to. No, no, I'm at this bachelor no, party. I'm, no, this is no, my job. And no, that is all. No, no, no. And Worf's like, I... maybe I should go and speak with her about this wedding thing. And Martok's please, like, please don't. No. No, no. No, that's not a I... good idea. Dude, no, dude, I am literally begging you. <laughs> Do not talk to my wife. I yeah. was I was totally okay to bring you into the house, but I can't. No, nah, bah, 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 and that's bah, bah. the thing is, well, w w talk about your bad thing, Matt, because what I have to say kind of ties into this. Okay, um, I just <sighs> this or the uh, my actual bad thing or the yes, uh... your bad thing. Okay, uh, I want to talk about like. We, t we have the whole thing about Cirilla not allowing the wedding to go forward, which is fine. And then Jedzia breaks it off, which is also fine. And then we kind of rush through everything at the end, and suddenly they're friends again. Or friends at all, which is weird. I feel like you know what happened. You you already know what happened. Like, why, why show it? It's like, I, I don't think there's enough of... Dax act like getting like I don't think there's enough of Dax getting on her good side for how this episode ends. Okay, but the know? way the episode unfolds is uh everyone tries, Dax fails, Dax gets mad at Worf, Worf gets mad at Dax, Worf forgives Dax, Dax forgives Worf, then the wedding. The end. Yes. And like there's a very very specific momentum to that and interrupting that with and then Dax goes off and bees nice for three more acts that would completely th slow the story to a I halt, just I, I don't I don't think the ending to this one is earned yeah, I disagree and like I mean which is fine but this, like this one also did another sort of cut like that that I thought was really good like we have the um the whole Kira Odo yeah I I, I want to talk about this first though. yeah okay like we'll definitely get to that but no, what? Okay, first of all, Cirilla, I think, is more mad about Worf being let into her house without, like, Martok even says. Ah, more mm. mad about Alexander. That, I was getting to that. <laughs> Jesus Christ, can you let me steer for nope. one second? Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop talking, and Amanda's just going to make my points for me. Okay, I will then. So, um, <laughs> so we have um, Martok just letting everyone in willy nilly. 
yep. into the uh, into the house without probably uh, consulting Sorella because I guess men are allowed to be brought in, whatever. Uh, yes, I just let three more Klingons into the house of Martok. You did what? Nothing! Certainly didn't. It's well within my rights to do so. I'm going to be outside. <laughs> Got some wood to chop or something. I'm never going to have sex again, am I? No. <laughs> And then did you want to make a point, Al? No, you're 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 hosting. You go ahead and host. Okay. <laughs> fine then. <laughs> so. No, what I was trying to say Yes, was that then he let Alexander in. Mm-hmm. And that's clearly like what what no. And now you want to marry this non-cling No, absolutely not. I this is where I draw the line. So I feel yeah. like it wasn't even intentionally directed at, at Jedzia. I feel like Jedzia is just sort of absorbing the cumulative effect of all this nonsense. And like, it, it's not entirely even her fault. And so part of that, I think was her just sort of like, okay, like, I don't think she ever would apologize, mm-hmm. but I feel like she's like, okay, I'm not entirely mad at this chick. I'm mad about a lot of stuff and this chick seems okay. So, all right. And it would be sort of, um, I think, unusual to let a non-Klingon into a non-Klingon house. Even someone like Dax, who has the previous life of Curzon. That is true. I like uh, Martok's speech about, uh, we don't embrace other cultures, we conquer them! Yeah. No, there's some great Martok in this. Yeah. There's some fantastic, like... Because like, the, the, the core of Martok is... He is super uber Klingon, but he's also kind of understanding. And here, yeah. they they do a great job of sort of bringing some conflict into. Well, yes, I am understanding, but when we're doing traditional Klingon stuff, I... it's like you guys. It's like, look, man, you guys are fine, but if you want to get traditional Klingon, this is not traditional Klingon. Yeah, I'm all for non-traditional stuff, but you wanted to do this the the old way. Yeah, like and, you could, you, you guys know. could, if you guys just got mar- got Cisco to marry you, there'd be no damn problem. And really, this is my good thing. Martok is the dad Worf should have had always. Yep. Mm-hmm. Worf would be so much less of a fuck up, and by extension, Alexander would be so much less of a fuck up if Martok had been his dad, like, you know, ten years ago. Yep. Worf has loosened up some uh, a bit since he met Martok too. Uh, a bit, some. like for Worf. Yeah. For for Worf. Well, because when Worf starts going off the rails, Martok tends to come in and say, listen, buddy, yeah. you need to take it down a notch or I'm going to punch you in the face. Yep. There is also, speaking of like supportive relationships, there is a fantastic scene between Cisco and Dax. Mm-hmm. There is. Where Dax Dax is still like, I'm not going to apologize. He needs to. And she's brandishing a knife. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? You bought into this. You know what you were getting into. You're not stupid. You knew you'd have, like, just knock it off. And it's not like uh, he was marrying Counselor Troy, who knows, like, a tiny bit about Klingon culture. Right. Dax knows everything about Klingon culture. Yeah, and when Mm. he said traditional, she knew what that meant, and she said yes. So shut up and do it, old man. And it was a great reversal because she's always the, the, the voice of reason to him. And it was great to see that turned around and to have Cisco say... Like, you're being unreasonable. I get to give you advice. Ha! It's nice. I like that. Um, Yep. My bad thing. There is some broad comedy in this. Oh, yeah. Some of it is really funny. Uh Uh-huh. Some some, of it. Oh, go ahead. There's some great stuff during the the Klingon bachelor party thing. Yes. Well, and actually, this is your quote, right, Amanda? This this, this is my quote. Uh, After day, like, 37 of (laughs) suffering. Suffer party. Yeah, suffer party. Um, 
we get uh, a little interaction between uh, Julian and O'Brien. Miles, yeah, it's working. I've had a vision about the future. I can see it so clearly. What is it? I'm gonna kill Wolf. I'm gonna kill Wolf. That's what I'm gonna do. I can see it clearly now. I'm gonna kill him. Kill Wolf. Kill Wolf. Kill Wolf. Yeah. That is great. And th- that stuff works. And the, actually, the episode ends with them charging at Worf with these, like, you know, uh, ceremonial sticks. These are the ceremonial wedding beating sticks. Right. Um, but then there's some, like, in the, in, the, in the teaser, where they're trying really hard to reestablish Alexander as a fuck-up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he's, like, slipping on banana peels and making the waiter drop his cake and stuff like yep. that, and is, like, a little much. Sacre bleu. Yes. Could have done without the uh, knocking plates. Like, he does this big, elaborate, like, that's great! And, Alexander, sweetie, you are not that good a physical comedian. Yeah, and... Slapstick, clearly not your forte. And vocalizing, like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like, that, yeah. that really terrible hack, like, like um, slapsticky thing. Mm-hmm. Just not good. And then, and then, then he slipped across the room on a pie. Yep. And then there's that other sequence where... Um, Julian and O'Brien are about okay. to break their fast. On the one hand, it's it's a funny scene, but on the other hand, it's just a little too far, where they pile up all this food in the foreground mm. and you get you all like, and here's some roast beef for you, Chief, and here is a steak for you, Doctor. And, oh, this is delicious. Mmm, and they spend a full beat just like, oh, let's eat the food, and then no food for you. <laughs> but um, there is a good line where uh, Martok comes up and says, there's no food for people on the path to Kelhaya. And then Quark comes over and says, yeah, and there's no refunds for people on the path going <laughs> yeah. to Kelhaya either. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, yeah, the uh, the Odo uh, Kira thing. The, there's the, it's nice that the show has not forgotten that Kira is super angry at Odo mm-hmm. for you know betraying. Yeah, it's like her. I said. It's like I said when we did that episode. That needs to have some repercussions. And it did. Yes, it did. And it's still not over. I don't think. No. But. But they're talking to each other again. They yeah. They need. They were avoiding each other, and they in the early part of the episode, they were always not making eye contact, going down different hallways to avoid each other, like all that kind of thing. No, no. Let's let's be very clear here. Kira would turn a corner, would see Odo down the hall, and he would turn around and run away. Yep. Just haul ass for the hills. With the Scooby-Doo music. Yep. yep. <laughs> that's not music. That's sound effects. Music. Scooby-Doo like music. G- like G's, man. It's Kira. <laughs> How did Odo end up being shaggy? I don't know, but there we are. <laughs> Very well. I just, Let's I, find out who this Klingon really is. Because, I mean, you got O'Brien eating a giant sandwich in this episode. <laughs> you had uh, alexander getting that uh, big novelty turkey leg yeah like there's a lot better candidates than odo alexander is the scrappy do of this <laughs> yeah that is true yeah <laughs> puppy power father Ugh. but what ends up happening is and i've been at parties like this sometimes as the person doing this sometimes i see it happen to other people where there's some drama happening and two people need to talk and they just end up going in a room and talking the whole time yep and that's what happens and they're in uh well, there was some debate over whether it was Dax and Worf's uh, closet or their bathroom. I thought it was Dax's bathroom. I'm pretty sure it's not. 
her tiny piss closet. I'm yeah. pretty sure we don't ever get to see anyone's bathroom in Star Trek, first of all. Nah. That's just a thing. But second of all, it looked very much like a closet to me. I just thought it was a bathroom, you know? Kira was sitting on the toilet, there was a big pile of towels. Why would she be <laughs> pooping while she's talking to Odo? She wasn't pooping, she was just sitting on the toilet. <laughs> oh, well. The lid was down. <laughs> But I um I kind of It's a perfectly liked, acceptable chair. I kind of like that we cut out all of the scene where they made up cuz I mean, you know what they're going to say. It's like I was mm-hmm. saying about the Sorella thing. Yeah. It's like you you already know, don't insult our intelligence, just move on. And we've See, seen in this, this case this I scene agree with before. you. Like we've seen this type of conversation before. We, yeah. don't, we yeah. don't need to see it again. And they were talking all night. It wasn't just 5 minutes of okay, I forgive you. It was yeah, they no. had a lot of stuff this to is... talk about. This is not ju- like this is not just them forgiving like yeah. forgiving Odo. Like this is them becoming friends again. Well, and the show did such a good job of presenting us with both of their perspectives early mm-hmm. on that we already know. Like we already know Odo's side of the story, and we already know Kira's side of the story. We don't yeah. need to hear it all again. They need to tell it to each other, mm-hmm. but we already know. Also, we don't I- need to see that. We can watch Fire Dancing instead. Yes. I also love seeing relaxed Kira. We don't get to see it very often, where yeah. she's like leaning forward to talk to someone with like her head in her hand yeah. sort of like she's always so rigid anytime we see her unbend is always always yeah. interesting mm, that is not true because in the oh, very next episode that's... here's a segue for you oh. in the very next episode oh. she is not interesting in any way we are now going to press forward into the episode what's called no. resurrection I'm afraid done. so i don't no, want not. to you get back here Realizing we haven't been to the Mirror Universe in, I don't know, minutes, a scout appears from what I am now calling the Dimension of Diminishing Returns to find out what the deal is. But since we've killed off Mirror versions of about half the cast and a number of surviving people don't have access to whatever they call the station in that place, 9SD, I guess? That means the duty falls to Mirror Burial. Great. So now we can tell a story where a main character is faced with an alternate version of their dead lover and forced to reconcile their feelings. What a novel idea for an episode! I haven't seen a concept exactly like this since three Mirror episodes ago. Ah, but this time, this time it's different, you see, because he's in our universe now. Now it's the story of a main cast member meeting a lovable rogue, breaking through his cynical exterior, falling in love with him, and then discovering that, gasp, he really is still kind of a bad guy. So, now we're copying an early Counselor Troy story, not a previous Mirror Universe one. Which, of course, makes total sense, because wet dishrag Troy from Season 3 of Next Gen is an exact duplicate of Season 6 Kira. So much so that I'm constantly confusing the two. Beryl, it turns out, is working for Kira's sexy counterpart, who wants him to steal one of these still-not-orb-shaped orbs for some reason. I guess because the Mirror Universe doesn't have them? Presumably the Mirror Prophets took one look at Mirror Bajor and said, Pass, or sap which is past spelled backwards because mirror you see yeah i'm stalling for time here because this was a tremendously boring episode that i could have summarized in a single sentence yes and that sentence would have been it's interesting no nothing is interesting (laughs) it's intriguing well it's tedious to see it is of note no that's 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 even giving it too much credit it is a it is a fact there you go. We uh, and and actually, um, this sort of plays into your bad thing, Matt. Um, uh. We don't see Kira taken hostage. We see Beryl shows up. We go to the credits, and then when we come back, she's already got a phaser pointed at her. So, one tiny bit of action. Now nah, we don't need to see that. Let's have nope. more scenes of them talking about nothing. <laughs> 
But yeah, when we come back, she is uh, uh, taken hostage, and uh, yep, this is your bad thing, right? No, it's my good thing. Oh, your good actually. thing. I'm sorry. I love fucking Kira's complete disinterest in her own kidnapping. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> yep. That from the second Barile shows up, she's just on top of this crap. Just like, all right, let's. You want to take me upstairs? Fine. Yeah, it's forty-seven flights of stairs up. She's just fu- rolling her eyes. Yep. We're we've been fighting a war. I've I'm a I'm a veteran of another war. I I don't have time for your stupid antics, Mir Barile from the other universe. I don't even have to put my full attention into dealing no. with this crap. Do you know how many times I have thrown Cardassians out of my home? Like dozens. No. And she knows almost immediately that the phaser is broken. Yep. She's just playing along. That's like, huh, whatever. She makes him go up, I don't know how many, like 20 flights of, of ladder. I don't yep. know what you call like 20 floors. And I'm thinking, is the station that tall? Is Down it, the pretty short tall. rope. Are they going up from the bottom of one of the spires to the top of another one of the spires, I guess? Because the, the main part, the radio. Yeah, because well, yeah, has... they're, do- they're going to a docking pylon. Uh, I guess that's true. Because otherwise, like, the ring part is not that tall. No, no, they're going to one of those spiky bits. Right. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So it's curved, too, then. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, and there's nothing worse than climbing a curved ladder, as we all know. Mm. Wait, isn't that like a jungle gym? It might be. All right. I don't know. But that is, that is a thing we can all agree on, right? It's really hard to climb a curved ladder. Unless you're a horse prostitute. That's true. Then you can't get back down the minaret again. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like that old saying, you can lead a horse prostitute to a curved ladder. <laughs> but you can't make her fuck it. Right. <laughs> Why's it got to be her, Matt? Yeah, Matt, geez. That's a fair point. Broaden your her- horse horizons. God. Uh, horizons? No. Horse horizons? No. So, Amanda, what was your good thing? Not, I... not that terrible portmanteau, that's uh... for sure. Should I leave it to the professionals, Matt? Yes, yes. <laughs> My good thing was meddling Dax. This is the Dax I remember. The Dax who's like always looking into people's secrets and wants to know what's going on and is trying to set people up with other people and then is talking about them being set up. It's adorable. And I particularly like it because she's also kind of tough, but she has this sort of playful side as well that makes her kind of a rounded character and really funny. Yeah, and actually this is my quote at the very beginning of the episode. She's trying to fix uh, Kira up. This is their way of establishing that Kira is single so that we can then have her... Oh, uh, oh, my quote, right. Here it is. What about Captain Baudet? Captain Baudet, you want me to bring Captain Baudet to your quarters for dinner. It's just a suggestion. Well, it's a bad suggestion. Number one, you used to go out with Captain Baudet. Number two, Worf hates him. And number three, and we've discussed this many times, Captain Baudet has a transparent skull. And you don't like to see a man's brains. Ops. What about Dr. Tregtoke? He's intelligent. He has a good physique. And he has a very opaque cranium. True. But his eye bothers me. Which one? The middle one? Oh, really? You are so obsessed with appearances. And sometimes your taste in men frightens me. So that was at least pretty good. That's funny. The um, scene. Go ahead. Oh, the scenes with her, and actually the scenes with um, uh, Dax invites Kira and Barile to dinner at uh, back at her and Worf's place. Right. That was the other good. There's two good scenes. Yeah, where three he, good scenes. <laughs> where he he's like a magician. Yeah, he's he's, <laughs> he's talking about um, being able to take a, a, a 
to escape something, he had to steal a Klingon ceremonial knife thing. And so Worf is like, no Klingon would ever allow that to happen. And, and then he steals Klingon, like his... Doodly doodly do. Yeah. yeah. So he's like the uh, the Mirror Universe's Penn and Teller. It's... No, that's giving him too much credit. He's the Mirror Universe's David Copperfield. No, God, no. He's not that bad. Come on. No, he might be. No. <laughs> the thing is, the actor... Do not disparage Penn and Teller on this show. <laughs> I'm not disparaging them. I'm saying he d- he did a cheap illusion for a laugh, which is what <laughs> Penn and Teller would do. That's fair. The thing is, I like the guy who plays Beryl. Yeah, me too. He just always makes bad weird choices. But, like, the look on his face after he stole the knife was really funny. Yeah. And, like, there's just some, some weird stuff he does that I enjoy. But, this oh, everything they gave him was so boring. Well, and that actually leads into my bad thing, which is not since the outrageous Okana has a character spent the entire episode telling us what a lovable rogue he is. Ugh. He just, the entire time, he's like, well, I don't really believe in that because I don't believe in anything. Because I'm, I'm, I'm danger, baby. I like drugs and rock and you, roll. Yeah. You better not get too close. I'm bad for you. No, Kira. no, this isn't Hannibal. <laughs> she promised me she wouldn't get too close. Don't touch me. I'm fire. Or ice, because I'm cool. Yeah, it was just on and on. And it, and it, was, it was such a lesson in show, don't tell. Because the one time he did show what a cool thief he was was when he stole Worf's knife, and that was kind of cool. It was super yeah. cool. But, and Worf was kind of charmed by it, which was surprising. Yeah. Yeah. But the rest of the time he's telling us, and it's so boring. Like, just if they did more showing, that would be better. That's the other thing, too. In Outrageous in Okana, it's all about the crew telling each other how great Well, yeah, Okana it's slightly is. different. This is him talking No, no, but I'm saying Beryl is just telling people he meets how cool he is. Yeah. It, it so felt like fan fiction. It did. Yeah. Where the author was Beryl. Mm-hmm. But why would anyone want to be Beryl? Yeah, like, of if the you were 27 picking... characters you could choose from this show. <laughs> it's like, here's the guy who really speaks to me. <laughs> In a creepy monotone voice. Hello, Narice. I'm going to hit on Dax now and then have my brain fall out. The thing is, though, to the actor's, to the actor's credit... This character was played very different than yeah. Vedic Beryl. Like, they did not seem like the same character. No. That's true. And if you were confused by that, trust me, they'll tell you over and over again. <laughs> You're so different than the, re- the Vedic Beryl we know. Well, I guess I'll never be as cool as the Vedic Beryl you knew. Because I'm just a, a thief. A cool <laughs> thief. <laughs> I'm not a religious Vedic. Al actually had a good point. Because, uh... uh Quark and Beryl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Quark is a lovable rogue. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's my note. Shut up. Don't badmouth Quark. He's a lovable rogue. You're a lame rogue. Yep. <laughs> like, that's that's just... Yeah. Don't put them in the same scene together. It just invites comparison. Yeah. Although that leads into my good thing, which is, at one point, Kira actually takes advice. Like, after that scene where he's talking to Beryl, uh, Kira takes advice from Quark, and it's like, oh, yeah, their their friendship has evolved because last time... He let her out of jail and helped save the station, mm-hmm. and she trusts him a little more. She doesn't completely trust him, because you can't ever completely trust Quark. No. But she takes advice from him and actually listens and doesn't just roll Because remember early Kira with Quark? Where yeah. he would open his mouth and she'd just, shut up, Shut Ferengi. up, Quark. Yeah, you're the worst. You Ferengi are the terrible. worst. Hey, I got that thing that you that you really wanted. I don't want you know, it from piece, you. That filthy. piece of Bajoran jewelry or whatever that's super ancient. And then she Get that away from me, Quark. Laps it out of his hand. Give a damn what him. you think, you filthy Ferengi. 
She Everyone doesn't this... give a damn what he thinks. No. Everyone on the station is so racist. Yeah, but it's nice to see their relationship evolving. Like, she's doing something in the cargo bay. He's kind of walking, talking with her. And and he says, like, I don't know if I trust this guy. And she's like, really? You don't trust him? Hmm, okay. And she actually listens to him. And it's cool. Yeah. It's like they're they're kind of becoming friends now. Mm-hmm. So that's a good that's a good thing. That was the other that was the third good scene. Yes, that is all. That is all of Quark. the good scenes. Quark, all... I may have started to give a damn what you think. <laughs> there was all of about five minutes yep. of good show in this one. Yep. The rest of it just looking at the clock. Uh yeah, and and every time we looked, twenty two minutes left. There was always twenty two minutes left in this that episode. Last act. Ugh. Well that's that goes into your bad thing. This was like the plotting in this episode was so telegraphed. The con that um, Evil Burial was running was the con we've seen in a zillion other things. You could tell what plot beats were about to happen. Curse his sudden and yet inevitable betrayal. And then he betrays Evil Kira, Mirror Kira. And then they go off together because he's not good enough for real Kira. I think uh, you'll find it's Mirror Kira, the rural juror. That's true. I will find that. <laughs> I will not say it, though. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, I mean, I totally saw that coming as well. Like, I, I, and I just, th- their plan to steal the, the, this, this orb so that they could take over the world. I, that didn't feel out of place to me. Like, first of <laughs> I all. Felt ri- I thought it was ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. What about Mirror Kira is not ridiculous. I love well, Mirror Kira. Fair point there. She, like, that is, if any character who has ever appeared in the show is going to take over the world, <laughs> it's going to be her. That Even more than Gul Dukat. And her belt shirt. <laughs> no, she put on her parachute backwards. <laughs> Every time you say that, I just want to watch her jump out of, the, out of DS9 and parachute back to Bajor. <laughs> you know, that's not how space works, right? I don't care. Also, they're not even in orbit around Bajor. She'd have to drift over to the planet first. Yeah, look, it's going to be a long trip back. I'm not saying it's not, but... She can windsurf on her parachute. <laughs> it's still going to be hilarious. She can parasail. Yeah, there you go. I've done that. It's fun. Yeah. You you pasted in, in your notes this bit from Memory Alpha where uh, this is a reversal of the standard uni- uh, Mirror Universe format insofar as the story involves someone from there visiting the normal universe instead of the other way around. It also differs from the traditional Mirror Universe format, at least for DS9, because no one is killed in this episode. <laughs> that is true. Yep. Although I get the feeling that Burial is dead three seconds after he gets back into the Mirror Universe. Yep. Yep. I want when we get to the next episode, Kira's like, so what happened to Burial? Like, did he escape or anything? And Mayor Kira going, oh, no, I tortured him to death right after we got home. Yeah. I, I don't know. Last time, wasn't she completely deposed, though? Yeah, yeah but I all she so. needs to torture him to death is some rope and a knife. No, no, I know. I think she could probably do it easier than that. All She's she needs good is a torture. match. <laughs> uh, Matt, what was your bad thing? Which one did um, you pick? Uh, so, the... This wouldn't have bothered me so much, except that they spend a lot of time talking about it. Um, they they go into great detail about how Burial doesn't believe in anything, and they don't have profits where he comes from. Like, he doesn't know what a Vedic is, he doesn't know, understand any of the... Uh, well, the I think part majority. of that is him playing stupid as part of the con. That could, that could be. But, like, his whole deal is like, I don't know about any of this crap. And, but... He's still got that Bajoran religious earring just sort of hanging out there. And uh, Mirror Kira has one, too. 
Mm-hmm. Has she always said that? I assume so. Yeah, I think so. I don't remember. Yeah. That. I've never noticed it before, but I mean, like, All they right. also never made a big deal about how there's no, like, profits or anything before. But I mean, there's no wormhole. I the... guess that's true, yeah. So there's that no doesn't, wormhole but Just because there's no, like, there was no wormhole for a long time. Oh, yeah. I guess that. Cisco and Dax uh, d- discovered yeah. the wormhole. Yeah, like, the religion was there before the wormhole reopened. That's true, but what I'm saying is perhaps there are no prophets in that universe at all. Or there's someplace else. Yeah. yeah. It's, They're in the basement. But here's the... In the basement of the wormhole? Yeah. All right. Or the Matt, basement you're of so Asia linear. Yes. <laughs> it is adversarial. <laughs> well, that is definitely true. No, it's not. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, it. the problem is picking at that scab... Of is there a Bajoran religion? Why do they wear the earrings? Then you get into the whole okay, but how did this guy still get born and be named Barile? How mm-hmm. did Kira become Kira? Like, like there's two. We've talked about this before. The mirror universe. Like, there's too many. Like, how is it that O'Brien and Bashir and Cisco all happen to be in the same place? Yep. In this other universe. Well, I mean, look. If you really want to get into it, like the mirror universe shouldn't have, should have stopped lining up perfectly after the first mirror episode. Well, and it kind of did. Yeah. Except I don't know. Again, we've talked about this, mm-hmm. and I feel like I don't know. Maybe there's some other reason they have the the earrings. Ah, uh, dig up, stupid. We, I you, don't know. you just you just can't like. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, that's my point. Yeah. My point isn't. I'm trying to explain it. My point is. None of the other weird coincidences with the mirror universe make sense. So this one is just, it goes in the same pile. Mm. Like, I, I understand your point, and I agree with your point, but uh, nothing about what happens over there makes any sense. Why should this be any different? All all I'm saying is that if they had just left that earring off, it wouldn't have been an issue. Yeah. I don't know. They had already committed to Kira having it. Mm. So but, I mean, if it's just her wearing it, then it's just her wearing some kind of weird decoration she definitely her character definitely proves she can do that that's true yeah we're in all sorts of elaborate strappy shit i also picture them opening up the orb box to mirror barile and him going huh this is an orb shaped i wonder why they call it that (laughs) that's really weird i just I, i i assume either they're completely dark in that universe like the the orbs Yep. They don't do anything, or Matt's suggestion. Yeah, I had this idea where they actually successfully steal the orb, get it back to the mirror universe, crack it open, and it's like, oh, this is just visions of the future of the other universe. That's awesome. Yeah, That would have been great. Why do we care about this? Uh, oh, good. They're going to fight a war, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's, uh... Huh. Goody, we get to know what our neighbors are up to. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You, thanks a lot, guys. You you basically stole the version of the glass that you put up to the door. <laughs> well, good. That means they could stop coming over here. <laughs> oh, if only. I just wonder if they kept popping over and asking for help or trying to trick people like uh, when, when the Cardassians were there. That would have been great. I wonder why we haven't seen Mirror Ducat yet. I, you know, I thought about that. We talked about that during the episode, and then I thought about it a little, and it's like, how could he possibly play that any more over the top than he already does? He needs to be a saint. He needs to be just like the best guy ever. Mm-hmm. Mm, I guess that's true. And bring him over and everyone be like, we don't trust you. And then he sacrifices himself and then he could die. And then he like yeah. fits into the, the whole. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, we because we talked briefly about how Burial is like the millionth choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you were to make a list of interesting characters you want to see an alternate version of. Yeah. And... Or like evil Kai Opaka. Yep. Or yeah. evil or good Kai Win. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, there's not a horrible monster person. There's there's tons of them. With a great hat. I like her hat, damn it. Well, you go ahead. I'm gonna. Look at me. You doing actually it. you actually just talked me into realizing how badly I would love to see Galducat team up with Mare Kira. <laughs> well, no, what I would love is real Galducat. Yeah. Being seduced by Mira Kira. Yeah. Yes, that would be amazing. Yes, because he would get exactly what he's always wanted. Yes. Also, um... Except apropos- he's crazy now. So. Apropos yeah. of nothing, but speaking of sexy characters, uh, Michelle, when uh, when are we going to see a, uh, a sexy version of, um, of uh, Garrick? Uh, just- you mean just Garrick? Yeah. Yeah. You already think he's sexy. like Yeah, but just like, you know how he does sort of like the dashing sexy covers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sex, sexy, sexy Garrick? I don't know. We only got two like more sexy, days. Uh, like sexy Ar- Ar- Arte. <laughs> what the fuck's his name? Not Armus. I don't know. What uh, are you talking about? The Obey Me guy. Oh, oh uh, yeah. Eric's. Eric's. That's it. Thank you. <sighs> Matt, you do a Star Trek podcast. What's wrong with you? Yeah, but I have a well-known functionally bad brain. Yeah, but not for things that matter. Names are hard. I bet you could name everyone who's ever been an X-Man. That is true. Yeah, see? <laughs> Actually, I can't. I took a test on that once. I just did pretty well. Oh, very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, So, yeah, th- 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 long story short, this episode was very, very boring. Mm-hmm. Just nothing, nothing. We didn't care at all. Nope. We sure didn't. We were very bored. About five minutes. Yep. Anything else? Uh. Nope. No. All right. Uh, let's flee this episode. Let's do that. Um, website, as ever, postatomichorror.com. Write to us, postatomichorror at gmail. Amanda, tell the people about your fine photography. Oh, yeah, I do photography. You can go to giantblackalbatross.com. That's my website. Or you can go to giantblackalbatross.tumblr.com for my daily photo. There is a photo every day. Very well. And with that, we will leave now. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun. <laughs>